0: I just wanted to get up and say something real quick before we introduce um, our our special guests. Uh, Why are we giving a service, a whole service, to have missionaries come up and speak to us, right? Um, You know, I I should do this a couple times a year. Just talk a little bit about it. People say to me from time to time, why are you guys called Bethany Fellowship? You know, like, what is the purpose of your name? Are you guys a Baptist church? What is it? And I tell people... You know, if you look at this little town of Bethany outside of Jerusalem, right, this little town, Uh, Jesus and his disciples spent quite a bit of time there. Uh, They had friends there, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And so it was right at the base of the Mount of Olives, um, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus and his disciples spent so much time. And a lot of stuff happened in this little town of Bethany. Uh, you had Jesus who was teaching and Mary was sitting at his feet. You had Martha who was making a meal. So you had service and you had teaching. And you had this you know, story where Jesus is having a meal at Simon's house. And you know, this woman comes in and breaks this alabaster jar in this extravagant act of worship and just pours it over Jesus. And so you have extravagant worship going on. And then, of course, you have Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. And that's one of the things that I want to see happening here is service and teaching and worship and, you know, dead people coming to life spiritually. And so that's part of the reason why, you know, we are named Bethany Fellowship. Um, and then lastly, Jesus took his disciples Says he took them as far as Bethany. And that's where he gave them final instructions before he ascended to heaven and his final instructions were go into all the earth and preach the gospel making disciples and he said you were to do this in Judea and in Samaria and in the you know and to the rest of the world and so basically he was saying you know you guys do this where you live you guys do this in the surrounding areas and you guys do this all over the world and so not all of us go all over the world but the ones who um, are here support the sent, right? And that's what we do. And so missions is a big part of what we want to be a part of um, is supporting those who are sent out. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let my wife, Alicia, um, introduce the Luchis because she has known them longer than I have. Uh, we're just really pleased to have them here, but I'm going to have Alicia talk a little bit before they come up. Do you have your vinyl?
1: Do I have my Okay, okay. Uh, okay, so yeah, I'm going to introduce Keeper and Katie Lucci. So, Keeper and I go way back, um, way back, 20 years now. In the fall, it'll be 20 years. So, 20 years ago, when Devin was about one, I came in to choreograph for the very first show that Christian Youth Theater North produced, and that was Tom Sawyer. And Keeper and his brother Addison was also in that show. They came from. They came from Kansas to to join up, they were part of CYT South, and they came out to help with, to be a part of that production, and let me see if my memory is right. Joe Harper? Okay, you were my Joe Harper, okay, and what's so cool is that, um, there was another man in that production, Jared Orr, who is now, he was my Huck Finn, and he is a missionary in Egypt, so this is so cool. Keeper, so we got to do CYT North together, and then Keeper did Act One, which I was a part of. And what was cool is that Keeper actually directed my kids, uh, some of my kiddos, in a show right after our son Levi passed Robin Hood. He directed them, and I have worked with his mother before on productions. Her and I have directed Juniors together, and his precious sister, Katie, who is actually in Iraq dancing over the herbal iraq right where they just had the missiles i was thinking of her yeah so i've known his whole family for a long time and they are just a blessing i mean they are just when i think of Kiefer, i think of someone who is sincere in his faith so for a person to be consistent in their walk with the lord and Kiefer has always loved stories uh i think he likes good stories he likes telling good stories And what I appreciate about Kiefer in that is that he never settles for mediocre. So as long as I've known him, Kiefer is one that will strive to serve the Lord in sincerity. And I don't know about you, I don't like um, people that are fake or arrogant. That is not Kiefer. Kiefer is humble and sincere. And so just as I've walked through his life, it's weird because I think like I was at your graduation. You invited me to be part of your high school graduation. I was at your guys' wedding. Um, I watched when, you know, via Facebook and all the things uh, when Miriam was born and then, of course, Teo. And so, yes, I just want you guys to be able to meet Keeper and Katie and their family and just know that as you listen to him speak, you are hearing someone whose love for the Lord is deep. It is not shallow. He's been through a lot of stuff in his life, and he stays pointed towards the master. And I know his heart is for the nations and for others. And so I love that about Kiefer, and you will be blessed to hear him share. So let me introduce Kiefer and Katie Lucci and Miriam and Teo. So let's clap for them. He's used to clapping in production. I'm going to hand the mic over to you.
2: Yes. We had a really cool experience recently, uh, which was hard and cool, with Miriam specifically, where uh, Katie's sister had planned to come and live with us in the Czech Republic for about a year. Um, and through the whole process, like the visa process is supposed to take three months to four months, it ended up taking them six months to make a decision, which meant she had to leave the country from a tourist visa, she waited in Ireland for a while, and then came back to the U.S. Uh, and finally, after six months, got a rejection instead of an acceptance. Um, and through this, this was hardest on Miriam um, of anyone, I think, uh, in that she and her aunt had been really, really close. And at the beginning, we were praying together, like, let's pray for Teta, that's the Czech word for aunt, so that we'll, um, she'll get her visa, she'll be able to come back with us. And at first, Miriam was like, okay, you pray. <laughs> and then when she had to leave to go to Ireland, Miriam started saying, okay, I'm gonna pray. And then we went to visit her for a weekend in Ireland, and Miriam started to say, okay. I don't just want to pray now. (laughs) Um, I'm actually going to start praying on my own. So she would actually come to us and say, I'm sad about Teta. She's not here, why is she not here? I'm gonna pray for her. Um, And that started happening. She started coming out like once or twice a day saying I'm really sad about Teta. Started looking really depressed as a two year old. (laughs) Um, And one day she came to me and said, I'm just really sad about Teta. And I'm like, okay, Um, can I give you a hug? Can I pray for you? And she said, well, actually i 'm going to go talk to Jesus about it, and so she went over on this like, little chair we have and sat down and um, just said, "Jesus, I 'm really sad, I need you to help me." And she sat there for about two minutes, then she smiled, got off the bench, said, "Jesus helped me," and <laughs> went away.
3: <laughs>
2: um, and since then, she started teaching my son Teo, like, like my wife said, about Jesus um, going through the Bible, with him, showing him pictures of Jesus, telling him stories about Jesus that she remembered. Uh, and then saying, if you're, if you're angry or you're sad, Teo, you can pray to Jesus, too, and he will help you. Um, so Teo just started about a month ago, uh, just making simple prayers. <laughs> just, Jesus, amen. Or Jesus, help me, amen. <laughs> but um, I just, I, it was one of those situations where something really hard happened. And God took that really hard thing and made it into something that grew <laughs> Miriam, um, helped Miriam, and she now has a relationship with Jesus where she will sit when she's having a hard time almost all the time and just say, okay, Jesus can help me. I'm going to pray as a two-year-old. I think that's super cool. (laughs) So that's um, been one of our big journeys recently uh, is walking with the kids and learning from the kids. I think there was a point where I said, you know, I've always thought of myself as maybe a spiritual teenager or something. But seeing the kids, I struggle with a lot of the same things they do with Jesus. So maybe I'm like a spiritual two-year-old. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and learning my own lessons through that. Um, so we are currently, just to give us a background of where we are and what we do, we are in the Czech Republic, which is up there in Czechia. Czechia is the official European name, but Czech people hate that name. So um, we still call it the Czech Republic. <laughs> so that's, uh, we, yeah, you can see that we've got one country Poland and Slovakia, between us and Ukraine. Um, Our house is about 14 hours' drive from the capital of Ukraine. Uh, The Czech border is about four hours' drive from Ukraine. So to give you a perspective on the the size of everything. So we're pretty close by. Um, What we're going back into will be working with refugees there. And I'll get back to that a little bit later. What we currently do, our main goal is to be disciplers and uh, apostolic Leader makers, I guess. I don't know. So our main goal is to raise up leaders um, from the Czech culture who will go out and make disciples. And so sometimes that means those leaders were not believers uh, when we first met them, and sometimes it means they already were believers, and we disciple them, and they go make more disciples. Uh, Because the Czech culture is a super long, they they, they, they call it a long-term culture. You have to know people for 8 to 10 years, is what studies are saying, before they trust you. So we are in year (laughs) 6. Um, we have, I think, more people who trust us than we should for year six, <laughs> have a lot of really close friends, have a lot of friends who are, who are non-believers and friends who are believers um, who we've been able to walk with and teach about Jesus. But even um, just statistically, they say that until year 10, don't expect anyone to know Jesus. We've had two people, <laughs> which I'm happy with. Uh, when, I went, when I first went back to check the thing that I, I heard God say on the airplane, um, I sat down and he just said, don't go back if you're not willing to go for the one lost sheep. And I was like, who told me this before I got on the plane? No. <laughs> um, no, but that, that was the heart that I went back with. Um, and it's been slow. And I have personally gotten to only baptize two people being there. But at the same time, we have about 20 or 30 strong leaders now that we've been able to disciple. And they have gotten to baptize people. So um, I don't have my hands in that. Like, that's their, you know, I, I mentor them and they follow Jesus and make their own disciples. And that's really cool to me. Um, That's our main goal, and that manifests in three specific ways right now. Uh, One is we have a a student club through the church we're working with um, in our city, Hradets Kralove. And um, that student club is geared not just as, so it's an evangelistic club is the goal. So building relationships over time um, with college students and high school students in in, in our city. But also the people we have leading are usually the people who are like the misfits and the outcasts in the church. Uh, That was not intentional at the beginning, but that's a pattern that we've started to see, and it's really cool. (laughs) Um, The people who we expected to come and serve all were too busy. But the people who were not busy were the ones who no one else wanted to work with. And that's actually, they've been the coolest people to work with. So (laughs) that means we have teenagers who are serving um, at the student club. We have... um, people who are still struggling with their faith and unsure where they're at, but they're still serving. Um, And it's been a really cool experience to see them get get closer to Jesus and learn how to lead (laughs) while we have students coming in. So this operates kind of like a coffee shop. Um, We have an espresso bar and everything, but then we also have a laundry space downstairs for students who are away from home so they can come and wash clothes, Uh, and then a printing space for people who need to do that as well. And then that, the main goal is to build relationships. So There's always two of us there. One of us to work with coffee and one of us just to talk to students and hang out. Um, we play lots of board games. <laughs> and eventually our goal is to inv- take, the, take it from the space of let's have fun together to, hey, do you want to come and be part of um, a Jesus, a group where we tell Jesus stories and discuss them? <laughs> so um, that's our other main thing, our second thing, is discovery Bible studies. Um, and those work Usually we're inviting this, they're usually mixes of non-believers and believers. Um, sometimes we have completely non-believer groups, sometimes completely believers, and sometimes it's half and half. And what we do in those is we, we memorize a Bible story, not word for word, but just idea for idea, <laughs> tell the Bible story to the group, and then um, ask three, three main questions. What does this tell us about God? What does it tell you about yourself or people in general? And um, if you believe this story was true, what would it change? Or if it's a Christian group, what, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> It's what we say instead. Um, and we let the Holy Spirit lead those conversations. <laughs> and uh, intentionally choose stories that drive that conversation forward. So it's not, it's, it's a mixture of preparation and listening to the Holy Spirit. And then letting, um, really like, they come up with their own answers or the Holy Spirit gives them answers, you know? <laughs> Depending. Uh, where we've had, we've had people who are not believers who, I told this, we told the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac at one point, and one of the non-believers said, oh, wow, it's really cool how like he had to wait, like he had to wait, like, like God expected him to have faith, and he had to wait until the very last minute, until he really believed he was going to have to plunge the knife down before God actually, like he really must have trusted God, or he wouldn't have gone that far. He really must have trusted that God was going to do something. Um, this is someone who had never heard the story before, knew almost nothing about Jesus. (laughs) Um, But it gave him an insight of, God is trustworthy. Maybe God is trustworthy. Um, Or at least they thought he was trustworthy. Uh, Or another situation, once we told the story of the lost sheep, it's like three sentences or something, you know. (laughs) Um, And one of the Czech students just started crying. He's like, I wish that someone loved me that way. Um, And we were able to have like an hour-long conversation over the story of the lost sheep and what that meant to him. So it, it's small. It starts small, but it, it, it's uh, basically our plan is to disciple people before they, are, before they know Jesus. And so when they decide they want to follow Jesus three years in, five years in, whatever, they're already ready to go out and help other people follow Jesus because they've been discipled for three to five years already. Um, so that is our main venue for helping people know Jesus. Uh, not just in the student club, but we invite people from like Christians in the church who we see have a heart for the Lord. Uh, people who from uh, the community who we see need the Lord. <laughs> uh, and then we also, through that, work with a lot of LGBT people right now, is our other, other venue. So that is part of my own story that I will not share today, but that is part of my own story that I have always been attracted to the same sex. Um, and the Lord provided me with Katie, <laughs> who is... Uh, the first and only woman I've been attracted to. Um, but our goal with working with LGBTQ+, that whole thing, individuals, um, is we're trying to help them to get to know Jesus the same way we would anyone else. And so usually we are having Discovery Bible study groups with them, but also um, if, you know, with non-believers, we have a lot of, a lot of uh, like gay and lesbian couples who come over to our house. <laughs> we, we, we just talk, we're friends. Um, And eventually that conversation goes back to Jesus because Jesus is part of our life and um, if we left that out We'd be lying about our ourselves (laughs) so With that we have another group called EPIC where it is it was originally a support group for LGBT um, Christians specifically who are we are same-sex attracted This is not something that has changed in our life at this point, but we want to follow Jesus um, in a biblical way uh, and that has historically been a support group. When we go back to check, it's actually morphing into a leadership group uh, because we found that 10 out of 30 of the people who are in the group want to talk to churches, help other people, and support other people in um, teaching, helping the church learn how to love LGBT people, help, and, and uh, continue to support others in following Jesus. So we're switching it to a leadership group where we're going to be discipling, helping each other, supporting each other, um, holding each other accountable, but also uh, we have 10 languages no, 12 languages supported within 10 people and 8 countries in Europe. <laughs> so um, hopefully going to go speak um, to help people who are walking with same-sex attraction um, just to follow, continue following Jesus in the, no, matter, no matter what happens. So that's, those are our main areas right now. Um, and all of those, our goal is training leaders. Like That's what it all comes back to for us is discipling and training leaders. When we go back, we're also gonna be working with refugees. <laughs> the Czech Republic went from the first week after the Ukraine, Ukraine crisis, um, 3,000 people were coming in per day, and week two, 10,000 people have been coming in per day. So that has, like, I think the capacity in our city was 5,000. So in one day, our capacity went from, like we had 100 people in our city, and then the next day it was full. Like it was that fast. So we're um, still figuring out how that's going to look in a lot of ways. We've been in contact with the church we're working with and uh, the government authorities there while we've been here trying to coordinate from America, like how does this work? What needs to change? Uh, how are we going to actually love these people well? And what it looks like right now is we'll be going into a field of currently almost 3,000 refugees, but they're planning on opening another center to double that. So we'll probably have 6,000 6, refugees, uh, 7,000 refugees in our city of a hundred thousand people. So like an increase of 10% almost on the population, five to 10% on the population. Um, <laughs> just Ukrainian refugees. So um, what that's gonna look like for us is obviously distributing things that they need. Um, right now the big needs are like cell phones for a lot of them. They, they weren't able to come with those because they were being tracked. Um, so they need new cell phones. Um, they need, uh, mostly it's mothers of children. So they need diapers, they need uh, formula for their kids, um, they need places to sleep, there's a lot of bed shortage. There's a, plenty of places, but not enough beds right now. Um, and yeah, so providing those things, a- a- as needs come up, we wanna work with the, work with the families who are struggling. Um, I know Katie's heart is to talk find mothers she can talk to. We have a friend who speaks Russian who will go with us and translate for Katie, and they, they wanna go work with mothers together. Um, who have been left. And my heart uh, is to work with the kids who either their fathers have had to stay behind because all the men have been drafted up to the age 60. So um, either the fathers who had to stay behind or a lot of them, their fathers, are just not coming back. Um, and we know that at this point. So that's also part of my story and that my dad passed away when I was seven. Um, and I have lots of stories to share about Jesus being there for me in that. So I would like to go and share be able to build relationships with those kids and be there when their uh, parents, when they find out their dad's not coming back. Um, And be able to say, hey, Jesus really was there for me. Um, And I know he can be there for you too. (laughs) So that's my heart in this um, and Katie's heart in this. And we want to be able to share Jesus with them, again, through through simple Bible stories. So our plan is going to be to share personal testimony and Bible story. And then if there's interest, let them be the ones who say, hey, would you come back and tell us more stories about Jesus? Because he does give hope. Um, he is the one who calms our troubled seats, you know So um, that's where we're at right now with what we're doing uh, I want to give a quick chance for you guys to ask any questions you might have because the next portion we're going to do is going to be kind of interactive so do you guys have any questions for me did you want
0: to talk at all? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was just going to ask what can we do to help support you guys financial
2: donations, is there something we can give you to take back or send over? Right now it's really hard for us to bring stuff over, um, just limited luggage space and stuff. Um, and the mail is not really working between Europe and the US. It's like six, six to six weeks to three months to get anything right now because of COVID. <laughs> so that's been bad for about two years. Um, so yeah. <laughs> right now uh, financial donations, or if you guys are, if, if there's anyone who speaks Russian and wants to come and help in the Czech Republic, we actually <laughs> can use people on three month basis, 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 I, basis, I don't know, bases um, in the Czech Republic. <laughs> but yeah, that's our, our main things right now are needing translation um, for Russian and right. or Ukrainian and uh, like, the the I can share a link if you want of a place you can give that is. Uh, through all nations, and they'll give money to us to use specifically for refugees. If you're interested in that, but okay. yeah,
0: yeah we'll talk about like you had mentioned, like the churches like, mm-hmm. there don't get along. Well. Yes, yeah. So one of
2: uh, one of the things I'd mentioned in the past, the churches in the Czech Republic, we have we have less than two percent Christians. I think at one point we were point seven percent Christian. I'm not sure exactly where we're at now. I, I say less than two because we have a number that is high. Um, for uh, like the 7% Catholic, I believe, but most of the people who are Catholic in the Czech Republic were told during communism, uh, because the church was operated by the Communist Party in that country for a while, they were told if you say you're Catholic, when you die, you will go to heaven, so just keep saying you're Catholic, basically. And that was the entire thing. So that, 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 that's become a problem, where it's like there's a lot of people who are like, we're not actually going to church, we don't actually believe in God, but if we say we're Catholic, then we have insurance in case we're wrong, basically. Um, <laughs> it's very specific to the Czech Republic thing right now. So uh, in regards to that, we, we estimate about 2% Christian, but still all the churches fight together. And it's not just Protestant and Catholic fighting against each other. It's like... The Protestant churches themselves all fight each other. <laughs> and they're all like, your doctrine is wrong, so we're not going to follow you. Like, we, don't, we don't believe the same doctrine you do. We don't believe the same doctrine you do. And it's like, guys, there's so few of you. <laughs> like, work together. You're all following the same Jesus. Um, and one of the things that we've been, really been able to support recently is Youth for Christ in the Czech Republic has done a lot of reconciliation between denominations and a lot of reconciliation between Protestant and Catholics. Um, there's a big charismatic Catholic movement right now in the Czech Republic, which has been really interesting. <laughs> um, and in that, we've had people from Youth for Christ who've been able to say, "Hey, like we're going to go, we're going to have these churches come together, and the churches are just going to apologize for things they've done to hurt the other side and forgive each other." Um, and we've seen a lot of even pro- even across Protestant and Catholic lines, being able to help each other and serve together. That's pretty new. It's like been two years of them doing this. And churches are start, starting to work together more, but there's still this ridiculous divide of just like, um, somebody walks into a Protestant church who's not, who is interested in Jesus, and one of the first conversations they have in the first couple weeks of being there is, well, our church is good, but don't go to these churches, because they're not good. And then they, go to, like, they decide to try a different church, and the other church is like, well, our church is good, but don't go to these churches. And then they leave, because they're like, this is stupid. <laughs> like... <laughs> These people don't aren't united. Like, are they even serving the same God? It doesn't seem like it. You know. So, we're trying to fight that. That's one of our big (coughs) struggles. Um, It's fighting for unity. (laughs) Unity, but not uniformity. is what we usually say. Yeah. Anyone else? Any questions? Yes. What is the other religion there that's not Christian? They are. Good question. Uh, The most atheistic country in the world. So at this atheistic country in the world. So 68% atheist at one point. uh, 42% convinced atheist. So (laughs) I've I've made comments before. I would much rather be working with Muslims or Hindus than atheists. (laughs) Because they're just, it's just like really hard to have conversation. (laughs) So that's another reason for the approach we take of slow discipleship. Because they really need to know and experience Jesus. Or they're not going to make any decisions. Um, so it just takes a lot longer. A lot, lot of plowing and a lot of watering. <laughs> so. Do you,
3: I, you kind of answered what I was thinking was that in the last two years, if you've seen a shift and, you know, like God really starting to move and break through some of these barriers, are you also seeing it in the non-Christian circle that things are changing in the atheist? I mean, I feel like God's really born out of his spirit. Every
2: We've definitely seen some changes um, in the younger generation specifically. So the younger generations are more receptive right now, but also they're not just more receptive to Jesus, they're also more receptive to, like, Eastern Eastern religions especially right now and witchcraft. So, like, there's a lot of people who are suddenly like, we're Wiccan. And I'm like, what? Where'd this come from? <laughs> in a country that's been very logic and fact-based historically, they're just like, yeah, we're witches. And I'm like, okay. Um, so that's been... A shift in both ways. So they're more open to spiritual things, basically. But, yeah. so. but I will say this also. Christianity still gets left behind because a lot, a lot of the time we're following Jesus does. Because a lot of those same people who are open to spiritual things are very closed to churches. Because they see churches as an oppressive thing. So a lot of the time they will come to a house church. And we've had people who've been at our house church for a year, year and a half as non-believers and come every week. And about a year and a half in, this is one of these Jesus storytelling groups. Um, they've come and on um, a year and a half in, they're like, if church was like this, I would, I would totally go to church and be a Christian. And I'm like, psych, you're in a church. <laughs> like, <laughs> we didn't tell you this, but we're actually doing all the things that church is supposed to do according to what the Bible says. So you actually have been in church for a year and a half. Uh, <laughs> that's happened like six times. At this point, so they're interested in Jesus, they're not interested in church.
1: Have they
3: stopped?
2: To the house church
3: groups?
2: (laughs) No, actually, they continue to come. The only reason we've had people ever stop coming, uh, besides people who come for like two weeks and then don't come again, (laughs) the only ones who've actually stopped after a long term are because we moved to a different city. And even then, we continued the group online for another year and a half. and, and, and passed it off to another person to lead at that point. So, yeah, they still, they want to know, they're not sure. So they get to the point where they're like, we, we, we like Jesus. We want to do what he says. We like his teachings. We don't know how we feel about him yet. Like, as like making, saying he's God or deciding that we're going to follow him. And we're not sure about following him, but we're sure, but, but they're following him. Like, it's like we, we are following him, but we don't know if we want to make him our God, basically. So there are people who we've been discipling three years now who they do all the things that followers of Jesus are supposed to do, sometimes better than Christians. <laughs> but um, they're not ready to say, I'm giving my life to him yet. They're like testing it out first, basically. And so we expect that five or six years into their walk with Jesus, they'll be like, okay, we're actually going to like, intentionally follow him now. <laughs> so... We've had the talk with them. It's like it doesn't take much to say, hey, I actually want to follow you. Um, But they're getting there. (laughs) And I I should say we're we're committed to being in the Czech Republic uh, because it's a long-term culture. Um, We're going to be there until our kids are adults is what we feel like the Lord has told us. So we're planning to be there at least 15, 20 more years at this point. So (laughs) to be there for when stuff starts to actually happen.
1: regulations on what
2: you guys can do or not? there's actually very few um, there's not a lot of person it's more intellectual persecution than anything else so there's not really any persecution in the country people will just be like you're a Christian that means you're stupid um, and it's like that's fine whatever <laughs> um, overall it's actually much easier I was actually able to openly share Jesus in the school that I was teaching at because the head, head mistress was fine with that so it, it was it's a school to school instead of a big government statement so um, overall we're not restricted <laughs> uh, I think the comment I get the most is well I would follow God but Jesus, God, following God is for weak people and I'm always like well yes <laughs> Jesus said the well don't need a doctor so if I was well I would not need him. Um, if you're well you probably don't need him either and they're just like wait 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 I'm not fine <laughs> um, but that's, that's been a conversation I've also had five or six times with different people at this point Any other questions? And then we'll have Katie come in. So now we're getting close to time, I think. i talked for like
0: an hour
2: and a half. Anyone else? No? Cool. Katie, we're ready for you whenever you're ready. So what we're going to do now, I'll just project. What we're we're going to do now is uh, we're going to give you an example of what these discovery Bible study groups look like. Because we found that really helpful to people (laughs) <laughs> where we've spoken um, and this is something that you guys can do with non-believing friends here in the states it works really well um, just say hey do you want to come over to my house and have a group? we're going to tell Jesus stories and talk about them you know you don't ever have to have a physical Bible that you open which intimidates a lot of people <laughs> you memorize the story you tell the story and you discuss it so Katie's going to tell a story for us today and then we're going to um, do a limited discovery Bible study group for like 15 minutes so
3: So I'm going to start by demonstrating a simple story and it's actually the one that the kids have actually been learning out there too. So that was nice to go out there with my kids and be like, oh, same story. How nice. All right. Now, Jesus has been teaching all day. He's been telling parables. Crowds have been listening to him. By the end of the day, he is tired. So he says to his disciples, let's get into our boat. We're going to cross over to the other side of the lake. So they all climb into the boat together, and it says there are other boats with them, and they all start across the water. Now as they're going along, a great wind comes up, and you know, it starts to make the sails swish and sway, the waves are going up and down, And then it goes from being maybe just a normal, windy day at sea to suddenly it is a very big, very scary storm. (laughs) There's a great deal of wind. There's a great deal of movement of the boat and the waves. There's water coming over the sides of the boat. The disciples are afraid. And when they look for Jesus, they realize he's asleep in the back after his long day. He's asleep on a cushion in the back. Apparently he likes being rocked, (laughs) it helps him sleep. So the disciples rush to Jesus and they say, Jesus, wake up, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus gets up and looks around him at the terrible storm and he cries out to the wind and to the waves, quiet, be still. And immediately the wind dies down, the waves die down and everything is still. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says to them, Do you still not understand? Are you still afraid? Where is your faith? And the disciples wonder among, the, among themselves, and they say, Who is this man that the wind and the storm obey? And that's the end of our story.
2: Okay, so when we're doing this with a group, often we will draw, um, we'll take a sheet of white paper and like, fold it into four, four quarters and draw four pictures for the story. That's a memory aid for us, and that's also helpful for the people who are <laughs> more visual <laughs> in the group. And then afterwards, if we're doing this with uh, especially other believers, we'll have them draw, the same, draw four pictures of their own for the story before they leave, and then say, now be ready to tell this to people. Um, you know who, who who comes up for it
0: okay so depending
2: on the group i know this can go like this discussion can rabbit trail forever um we've had some groups where we have three people in the group and we discuss a story like this for an hour and a half but then other weeks we'll have another discussion that goes for like five minutes and we're like guess we're just going to pray for each other and have fellowship today because that did not go very long uh, <laughs> it just depends on how it hits certain groups um I just want to give you guys a taste. This is kind of what we do with people. Uh, I know one group's already done. I don't want them to be sitting there. So how, what, what, was, what did you guys learn? What was actually, was this helpful for anyone? Was this actually, an, like, what did, was there anything that was unexpected about looking at the story this way for you guys? Is first, yeah, first question. Uh, <laughs> was it helpful for you guys? Did you, yeah? Okay. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. What was something that was unexpected about looking at the story this way for you? Or was there anything? Yeah. Well,
0: mentioned that he told them we're going to the other side here, told them they were gonna get there. Yeah, and I had never really put that together. You know, he told them what the outcome was gonna be, but they didn't trust
2: it. That's really good. So Jesus told them what the outcome was going to be, but they yeah, they didn't really trust it. <laughs> good. Anything else interesting that popped up in the conversation? The storm? Just the fact that they were out there on the water all the time. That's what they did for a living in the storm. was something that scared them. Yeah, that's true. They were actually, like, this was their job, was being out on that water and they were terrified by this storm. So it must have been a extra special.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? Just that God can calm those storms in our life, like, immediately. Yes. As fast as
2: So actually, the reason we told this story specifically today is that this is one of the stories that um, our leaders who who worked with refugees in uh, Jordan said that this is one of the best stories to tell, even though it's short, because you can say, like, God actually can calm these storms in our lives, too. (laughs) I know you're going through a storm that I've never experienced before, but Jesus has experienced these storms, and he knows how to calm them. Um, Cool. Yes? Yes?
3: can calm your storms. So let me tell you this story. It's like, there is this story, but then, like, what do you think about it? How does that affect you? What do you think about God because of that? And so it's like you're you're helping them or help us to, like, think in a
1: different
3: way than maybe we would think about it, or
1: maybe they would
2: think about it if you're just telling them. Yeah. So helping people to actually come to the conclusion on their own basically, figure out what it says about God on their own so that they can, so that when, people, when someone comes to a conclusion on their own, they usually hold it much uh, tighter. <laughs> so, this, so this is our main way of doing discipleship, is telling stories like this. Uh, a lot of people are open to coming to hear Jesus stories, sometimes just for the purpose of practicing English. <laughs> like a lot of our groups have been people who've said, oh, we'll come to a group that's in English about Jesus. That's fine, whatever. And then a year and a half later, they're like, man, Jesus is so cool. <laughs> um, so there's a third question, and I'm actually going to end with, uh, are we at ending time already? No, we're not? Cool. Well, I will end with, I'll, I'll give it to you now, but something to go with later um, is the last question is uh, what are you going to do about this story? So if you believe this story is true, what does it change in your life? What are you going to do about it? And that's something you can answer for yourself. Um, and if we have these groups every week, we, we have everyone tell us what they're going to do, and then the next week we ask them, so, did you do it? <laughs> So it's not just uh, we're supposed to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And so we hear it, we discuss it, we learn about it, and then we go do something about it. Um, anyway, that, that's that's just a quick demonstration. Like when we have these in check, they can go for between five minutes and two hours, depending on the day. <laughs> so um, everyone can go back to whatever seats you want, or stay where you are. Up to you. Um, I guess my last thing I want to do is: Do you guys have any more? Like I, I know we already had some questions, but I want to make sure you guys have time for that, I don't have any specific other things. Um, I'm willing to share anything, but. I have a yeah.
1: have question. Do you ever fear, do you have fear? You are...
2: Not usually, it's a pretty safe country to be in. Um, with the Ukraine stuff, I feel like there's just a fear over all of Europe right now. I, I personally am kind of like, like we heard the, that everything started in Ukraine and we were already here. We'd been here two weeks. And I was like, man, I totally would not have come back to the States if I knew this was happening. Was <laughs> my first reaction? And so our first thing we did was sit and pray about it and say, should we go back early? Because people are going to need help there. Um, it's going to be hard. Uh, we really felt the Lord say, don't worry. <laughs> you have time before things get to the thick of everything where you are. Um, so we stayed. Uh, but I guess, yeah, like there's definitely like could be real danger with the Russia situation or could not be. Like we, we don't know. And until something happens, there's no reason to worry about it. And once it does, Katie and I are of the opinion of, if something does happen, we're probably still going to stay there. (laughs) Because that's when people are going to to, need to know Jesus, like actually need him the most. And we don't want to be gone when that happens. But yeah, usually Czech Republic is very safe because they just kind of leave everyone alone. The analogy I've used is Czechs are hobbits, if you know Lord of the Rings. (coughs) Um, They like to mind their own business. Uh drink lots of beer, make lots of food, garden a lot. Um, and they don't have a lot of they have a couple friends who are their friends for life, and otherwise they're just like ant eh, foreigners, whatever. So, like literally I live among hobbits. <laughs> As a very non-hobbit person. So does it look
3: like the
2: Shire? <laughs> it does actually. Lots of rolling hills, lots of farmland, lots of lots of yeah. Everyone has a garden. <laughs> it looks a lot like the Shire. Are open to prayer?
1: how do they react? Like, they say, can we pray for you? Or
2: that kind of thing? So that, that's an actually a really interesting question, yeah. Um, they are open, so the question was, are they open to prayer? They, uh, sometimes are, the older generation is less open to prayer. The younger generation is like, yeah, whatever. What we found is, there's also a people group called the Roma, um, who, uh, they're they're like they're spread all over Europe. They don't really have a homeland anymore, and they have a ton of there's a ton of Roma people in the Czech Republic, um, and a lot of racism that happens from Czechs to Roma. The Roma are always open to prayer, and actually, when we've prayed for the Roma, we've seen miracles over and over again. We've seen people get healed, we've seen crazy stuff happen. <laughs> um, when you but but with Czechs, they're often like yeah, whatever, sure, you know. Forever, if you want to. And I, there have been a couple times we've seen God heal Czech people, but overall, like it's almost every time we pray for a Roma person, God heals them. And I don't really understand why that is.
0: <laughs> What's their background?
2: They, they're originally from India, and so they have a weird version of Hinduism where, but it's like Hinduism and Orthodox Christianity mixed together. So they believe in God the Mother instead of God the Father. And they've very much believe in the Holy Spirit, but they don't really know what to do about Jesus. So, like, they're just like, oh yeah, of course the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, well, no, Jesus is healing. But like, <laughs> they'll actually like they believe in the Holy Spirit's power, but they're like, mm, Jesus, eh. you know. So it's it's very interesting to have conversations with them. Um, so as opposed to being atheists, they at least have a spiritual background where if you just try to pray for them, they're like, okay, yeah, any prayer is fine, I guess. And they'll tell they'll heal, and they'll be like, wow, that was just such a positive experience. And you're like, is that all, is that all you have to say about that? <laughs>
3: like, I'm
2: gonna go tell other people, do you know how to heal? And I'm like, I don't know how to heal people. <laughs> so that's a whole other conversation. If it wasn't me, it was Jesus. If I tried to do this myself, I would not be able to do this. So... Any other questions? Can you tell us what
1: like a normal routine, daily routine is like for a missionary? Do you have a regular routine? Is it different every day?
2: We have a regular routine and we don't have a regular routine. Um, so what, what I always try to do is have a limited amount of things that I'm doing weekly um, and keep that to a certain number of hours maximum. That I'm like, I know that I'm going to do these things. But so, for example, the student club. I know I'm going to be there twice a week right now, Um, and that, or I was teaching English for a while, and that helped with some routine. Um, And I try and keep myself busy, uh, or give myself, but but also leave myself enough margin because things just go wrong or people need help. And if I don't have margin, how I'll say it is this: if I don't have margin, um, I still have those things happen, but I can't do anything. And if I do have margin, it's always full. So I've never had a week where I've been like, man, I just have so much extra time. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Um, what usually happens is because I have margin, people and people know they can come to see us. Uh, our house is open uh, to anyone. Um, it means people will just say, hey, I'm coming for three days tomorrow, and we're like, okay, cool. <laughs> like that's just how we decided to live. Um, it's been harder for Katie than for me, uh, but we found a way to do it that is healthy for the family and. You know, we basically just invite people into our life. And so it's like, hey, you can come anytime, but just know if we're doing something on that day, we're still going to do that thing. (laughs) And if we need to wash clothes, we might ask you to come help us fold laundry or something. You know, like, (laughs) you're just gonna be part of our family while you're here. And that's been our way of doing hospitality in a way that keeps our family sane um, and leaves margin for people. We usually have people uh, five-ish days out of the week staying with us most of the time. (laughs) And just having like one-on-one discipleship with them, being able to pray, pray with them through their hard things, um, non-believers and believers both. So. I don't
3: know like a dumb question. Language, is it, do, you, do each of those countries all have their own language, or do you guys have, or is it
2: a dialect? No, each country has their own language in our area. Um, Germany and Austria both speak German. But otherwise, Slovakia, Hungary, Poland, and Czech all have their own languages. Um, Poland, Czech, and Slovakia all have uh, Slavic based languages, uh, which means that I can kind of understand Slo- Slovak and kind of understand Polish and kind of understand. Like, I'm, I'm working on Ukrainian on Duolingo now. <laughs> I can kind of understand something. Like, a lot of it, I'm like, oh, that makes sense, except for that it's in Cyrillic. So, like, <laughs> reading it is hard. Um, yeah. Yeah, everyone has, kind of has their own language. I am at an intermediate level, so I would say B, B, B1-ish, which is like the, inter, like the true intermediate, basically. So I can have an hour or two hour long conversation and check if it's over the right topics. But if you get into some something super complicated, like for me, that's like car repair. I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about now.
3: <laughs>
2: I don't use this in my everyday life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, honestly, yes. In English, I would have trouble with that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, type the word into your translator, and I'm like, I don't know the word for this in English. <laughs> so, you had a question, also. Uh, so, out of like, all the stories that you guys like, have read and shared with the kids, like,
3: which have like, impacted
2: them the most? That's a really good question. Which stories have been the most impactful? Um, individually, the story of the lost sheep has been really important. Um, also, we've noticed that with younger people, Uh, the story of Nicodemus (laughs) has been really it's such a weird story to be impactful but it's been very impactful to people um because they have similar questions of like well I want to do this I don't but there are also the generation who's coming by night (laughs) basically you know like we want to talk to you about Jesus but not around our friends you know um so that's been that and then the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, but we always tell the story of Zacchaeus with the story of the blind man who's healed because um, the story of the blind the blind man is healed as they walk into the city where Zacchaeus lives. And every, that's why everyone is celebrating why they're in a big procession with Jesus is he just healed this blind man and they're like, wow. And then Zacchaeus, he goes over to Zacchaeus' house and suddenly they're not happy anymore. <laughs> so that has been an interesting story because it highlights for a lot of Czech people. They're, they're, they have enough bias against the church that they're like, well, Jesus is probably just doing the same thing the church is doing. And they're like, wait, but Jesus is actually telling these people who are being really religious about this. Like he's actually going to go see this guy who no one else wants him to see. And he's also healed this guy who's blind. He's done both. He loves both sides of people. <laughs> There's nothing religious about Jesus. He actually just wants us to know him. Um, and that's been really important for people there. Um, so any story that, where Jesus confronts the Pharisees, is usually a really good story because the Czechs immediately connect the Pharisees with the church, which is sad. <laughs> and they're like, "But Jesus doesn't like them." <laughs> I'm so confused now. <laughs> um, and they're like, "We want to follow Jesus. We just don't want to be part of a church." I'm like, "Okay, well, we can we can start there. That's fine." <laughs> so, any other questions? Really quick on the last one: the story of the man blind from birth has been really important. I just remember remember that one, that's a newer one we discovered that has been, everyone we've told that to has been very impacted by that. Um, It's like, oh, following Jesus means the church might actually ostracize you? Jesus actually said that in the Bible, what? (laughs) So, okay. All right, if there's no more questions then I think we'll end there for today. Thank you guys for having us, it's been great.
0: Katie come out in a minute, and we'll uh, pray over them as we round out, but uh, I will say that, um, you know, where we are right now in America with the young generations, um, with gender confusion and fluidity and all of this stuff, this is the thing that the church is going to be dealing with. in our our modern age. That's gonna be what we're dealing with. Um, And so we have to figure out a way to love those people and also deliver the truth, right? And that is what uh, Keeper's doing. Um, Reaching out to that community is not something that the church does well. Uh, They tend to shun those people, ostracize, Um, act more pharisaical, honestly, than showing them the love of Jesus and developing those relationships. Um, I said it, you know, I think a couple weeks ago, moving at the speed of relationships. Um, And that's what impacts people. And Jesus always had time for people because he had margin, right? And it's so important. And so, you know, also the humanitarian part of it, um, you know, that's what you guys are going to be going back to. And whenever these types of crises hit, automatically the ministry turns into you know, humanitarian aid. And uh, my folks saw that in Guatemala. Um, it automatically turns into humanitarian. All of the missionaries at that point, it became about getting food to people because they couldn't leave their homes. Literally, they locked them in. Um, I know that uh, Jake right now uh, went with a team, not surprisingly, to the border And so he is on the border uh, of Ukraine with a team that is helping with refugees and getting out of the country just like he did with Afghanistan. Um, And so there is a lot of that when crisis is hit and they're gonna turn to people who they know care, the people that they have relationships with. And oh, by the way, I have, you know, they're telling other people, right? So I have a relationship, somebody else is freaked out. Why don't you come with me because I have a relationship with this person and they're not freaked out the way that everybody else is. And that's, you know, how, bring people into the kingdom, so that's an exciting thing um, that they're doing, and that's one of the reasons why you know we've chosen to you know support them as, as we can uh, because of the work that they're doing. And that is the thing that the church is going to be—I um, don't want to say up against—but literally, we need to figure out a way to love those people and deliver the truth uh, because God loves them too, right? And what they felt is you know a lot of hatred, um, and so. Um, that's not what we're called to do and so finding that balance between loving and delivering the truth not erring on one side or the other um, is a tricky thing uh, but it's something that you know they're committed to doing and something that we all need to be committed to doing um, and, and just kind of see what that goes and it's not an overnight thing right I mean even people that you know you just want to share Jesus with them it's not an overnight thing they need to see that consistency over time and if they see us exactly like the rest of the world why would I do that? Why would I just add Jesus to my life? Because you're just exactly like me. Um, and so we're, that's the reason why we're called out to be different. And the reason why Jesus said you guys are going to be ostracized. If you follow me the way that you're supposed to, people are not going to like you all that much. Um, and that's okay. That's all right. So, well, um, why don't you bring Katie out? And we would just like to pray over you guys. Um, again, if you guys would like to um, donate with him, you can certainly do that. Um, in the back and just make sure that you earmark it for that so we can make sure it gets to them. Or you can donate online. Now, uh, what we have done is set up links for each of our individual uh, missionaries that we partnered with, and you can just click on the link and you can donate directly to them um, either you know through our site or through the organization that they're a part of, um, whichever is easier. So the um, other thing is it relates to the humanitarian efforts. I talked about it, I think, last week. but. You know, when Jesus, one of the last, you know, one of the last parables he talked about was the parable of the sheep and the goats. And the difference between the sheep and the goats was what they did and didn't do. Um, You know, the sheep were caring for each other practically. They were caring for people practically. Uh, Jesus said, when you did that, when you offered food and when you offered clothing, and when you visited people, when you spent time with people and you developed relationships with people, uh, you did that as unto me and those are the ones that he said enter into the joy of your master the ones that didn't the ones that just said yeah i I like jesus you know he's he's cool guy uh, but didn't actually walk out their faith those are the ones that actually came under judgment so we need to walk it and live it out